so welcome everybody to today's episode of the Trauma Healing Podcast. And in today's episode, I get to talk to the lovely Nessa Cronin, a talented fashion designer, entrepreneur and body positivity advocate. I get to talk to her about her experience in the fashion industry, her dedication to promoting inclusivity and body positivity. I'll be asking if Nessa's years of experience has helped her understand the impact of trauma on body image and if she's aware of how her work is contributing to healing the old wounds inherited by generations of women before us. We will explore Nessa's response to challenges presented by the pandemic, including the closure of Vanity Fair and how she demonstrated, well, I feel she demonstrated resilience and huge adaptability by launching the Tryon, an online store recognised also for its commitment to inclusivity and body positivity in a time of great upheaval. Additionally, we'll delve into Nessa's latest venture, the Find Your Stripes online course that helps women embrace their bodies, dress with love and care, and we'll discuss how Nessa's openness, honesty, and vulnerability during the pandemic made her a source of inspiration for many, a breath of fresh air in a world where apologising for being human has become the norm. So Nessa, welcome. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you so much, Claudia. <laughs> well, Are I love all that now is the question. Are you better? Uh, so for those that don't know you tell us a little bit about yourself how did you get into fashion how did you come to be in the career you're in what was the trajectory uh, for those unfamiliar with your work okay my name is Nessa Cronin I got a part-time job when I was in college in a hat shop I was in college doing a degree in English and French with the thoughts that I would become a teacher a secondary school teacher and I got a job in a hat shop and I just literally fell in love with retail fell in love with customers the whole buzz of retail how hats in that case but how fashion in, like just had the ability to transform a woman a woman would walk through the door a nervous wreck and she'd leave feeling on top of the world and it was just addictive I just got such a buzz from it so I decided to open my own hat shop and that hat shop was closing down I was doing a master's at that stage and I said oh god because I had given up on the teaching idea and I was going to do marketing and go into a corporate life but I said no 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 can't can't neglect all these women who who need hats in, in that case originally but then it kind of naturally progressed I was sell, I was wholesaling hats I was selling into boutiques I had a lot of customers around the country. This was back in early 2001. So the internet wasn't really a a thing where people could, you know, buy their stuff. Word of mouth, was it? Yeah, well, I'm Golden Pages. (laughs) Oh, yes, of course. (laughs) Do you remember the Golden Pages? Yeah, yeah, and advertising stuff. So I was wholesaling into maybe 60 boutiques around the country. And one of my very large accounts at that time was Vanity Fair in Newbridge. And it was 2010, we were all in the midst of the, you know, global recession, all that. And my little hat shop was suffering and my wholesale business was, you know, customers were closing down. I was losing accounts every week. And Mm. anyway, Vanity Fair said that they would also be selling up and I knew who they were planning on selling to and I knew that they wouldn't be buying from me. So I bought Vanity Fair in, instead. Uh, so I dipped my toe into the world of fashion. So now I could dress people from literally from head to toe. Yeah. And it was it was such an eye opener going into a, a boutique. Now, m- number one, Vanity Fair was a well oiled machine that was mm. well, you know, it was a very successful business. 
So I was literally learning. I was going into my, you know, staff that I had taken on and kept on and I hadn't a clue what I was doing. <laughs> but right. but I learned on the job and it was very exciting. Absolutely loved it. But it was the most kind of thing that hit me really the most was I was used to women coming through my door in Mad Hatter mm-hmm. uh, to buy a hat. You know, and hats and headpieces aren't something that we wear every day. And it's not something that most of us are very comfortable with. So I was used to women there coming in, like I said in the beginning, nervous. You know, first thing out their mouth was, now, I don't like hats. Hats don't suit me. I don't want to wear a hat to this wedding, but I have to wear it. You know, so yeah. getting them from that stage to feeling amazing, standing in the mirror was, you know, was such yeah. a buzz for me. But I didn't realize that that lack of confidence was also there when when women were buying clothes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't. I really didn't know that. I came from a, a family where my mother was very confident. Never asked anybody's opinion on anything she ever did, but least yeah. of all what she was wearing. So the notion that people had to like bring their sisters and their husbands and their mothers and their friends to get an opinion and put two or three things on hold and. I was just like, oh, my God, what's going on here? What's what's wrong? You know, mm-hmm. um, and I just I just I, I just was shocked at the lack of confidence, basically. Yeah. So I also the lack of confidence in particular from, let's say, larger size customers, you know, plus size customers, although I don't know. I still don't know how I feel about that term 10 years, mm-hmm. 10 years yeah. into, into selling plus size clothing. I still don't know if it's an OK term. But anyway, look. It is what it is. But yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to create a space, I suppose. And I did create a space where women of all shapes and sizes felt safe, knew that they could come in and not be judged, Mm -hmm. uh, knew that they wouldn't be looked up and down and told, oh, no, there's nothing in here to fit you. How did you do that? How did you know you were doing it? Well, I was blessed, I suppose, with the staff. And I mean, like I said, I, I took on the, the staff that were already there and how we ended up in each other's lives. I'll, I'll never really fully understand this synchronicity, is it, I suppose, because mm-hmm. yeah. they were just such a wonderful bunch of women and they totally got me. They got my mm-hmm. my vision and they leaned into it 100 percent. And I was just blessed with them that they were they they just helped me you know create that space because you couldn't do it without them yourself have to be on board for that you know absolutely yeah it only takes well, one the environment you know when yeah exactly it only takes yeah. one to look somebody up and down and all of a sudden you know so I was blessed with them they were just angel women who had just come into my life and like I said just got me just got the vision so it was a wonderful space. It was a magical shop. It was a big shop. We did everything from occasion wear right down to, you know, work trousers. Uh, but there really was something for everyone. There was different styles, different vibes. We stocked from size 8 to 28. It was just, it was a magical, magical place. Were there any challenges or obstacles to creating that? Well, I suppose in terms of trying to find stock uh, in the in the larger sizes was always an ongoing challenge and still mm-hmm. is, particularly online. It's even harder. But yeah, I mean, th- that that would have been a major challenge because most of the stuff, unfortunately, that you could get in the size 20 up would mm-hmm. be quite old fashioned, yeah. dated. So I had a lovely, young, vibrant customer coming through my door now and I was 
you know, to find stuff that I could find. And I used to say when I would go buying, you know, for from those ranges in particular, I used to say, unless I wear it myself, and not unless I wear it myself, but unless I would buy it for my size 8, 10, 12 customer, I'm not buying it for my size 20, 22, 24 customer. Yeah. Just because it's the only thing that's available. I'd, I'd do without it. I'm not going yeah. to just. It sounded like you took care. Yeah. You know, rather than, well, that's just what's available. Yeah. No, no, no. And I mean, now with my online business with the try on, it's very hard to get stock that goes over the size 20. And I really feel I really feel in lots of ways that I'm letting that customer that I had nurtured and had placed their faith in me for 10 years. I do struggle a bit with the fact that I feel that I've kind of let them down, but it's a totally different product that I'm selling now. You know, Vanity Fair was very high end. And I suppose there was a better choice available and the choice is avail- available to me now in a much more affordable product, you know, 30, Euro, 30 to 50 euro on average is the price point now, as opposed to you know, 250 to a thousand euro in in Vanity Fair. I do feel that, but at the same time, I'm not prepared to just buy the Maniel thing. You know, I don't want to do, I don't want to be able to offer something that I would, like I said, that I wouldn't offer my size 12 customer. Yeah. Yeah. So I have, I do, I am finding that a struggle, you know, at at the moment. I'm I'm finding that a struggle to kind of get that, clear in my head that now I have a different business and I just can't be all things to all people yeah. anymore you know um, I really see you trying to honor it though yeah because you, know, you know the struggle you know how hard it is to, yeah to find the clothes in the first place and yeah as you say it having developed that um yeah reputation it's hard it's hard mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Uh, I can I can feel I suppose you're you're wanting to honor that yeah it's not possible yeah. yeah yeah it's just not possible at the moment but watch this space you never know what's coming down the road Clodagh <laughs> oh with you I never yeah I have a feeling there's something coming down the road you'll find a gap and you'll go right we can plug that <laughs> <laughs> okay so then in 2020 uh the pandemic mm-hmm. you had to close down Vanity Fair and uh, that's did. that's really when I started following you just um, oh, really? kind of yeah, as the pandemic is. Look at you, you joined me at my worst. <laughs> I don't know whether I'd even say that, but you did, you did, and you have described it as traumatic. And, you know, I saw the days where you were showing up and devastated. Absolutely devastated. I mean, traumatic isn't, isn't it? Like it was, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget the, the, the emotion of it all because it was much more than and I remember the the post I put out on social media when I had to announce it to the public because obviously we knew for a couple of weeks in the run-up to it that this was happening you know and in fact the week before I put the post on social media to say we were closing was actually our 10-year birthday oh, and Kildare County Kildare was in the middle of localized lockdown and there wasn't a sinner coming through my door because Vanity Fair was a destination boutique. People traveled from all yeah. over the country to us, you know, and there was no weddings on. There was no nothing on. Like my business had literally the rug had been pulled out from underneath me. And I, a lot of my staff were older staff. I was very worried about them. I was worried. Like It was just, I'll never, I will never forget it. Sometimes I look through my archive on Instagram or somebody hasn't sent me a message in a couple of years and I scroll back and they send me a message and I scroll back and I look at what they last sent me, what they last responded to and I go into that story. And oh my God, I mean, I was like, 
I was, I don't know what I was like. I was like something wound up, but it's all like a distant, faded memory of something that happened to, to somebody else. But yet it's still very raw as well at the same time now, you know. Yeah. But anyways, Kildare was in the middle of a localised lockdown and it was our 10 year birthday and there was people tagging me on Instagram and messaging and congratulations. And mm. I knew you then. You were heartbroken, I imagine. I was devastated, absolutely devastated because I I felt, and I suppose this came up for me, this came up for me at, I went, okay, our, our birthday, let's say for Vanity Fair was the 20th of August and we closed on the 27th of August, 2021 after 10 years and one week. And like I said, I had poured my heart and soul into creating something really, really special and magical in Vanity Fair. And last year, last summer, I wanted to do something on because I I hadn't felt strong enough in 2021 or 20, you know, it just I just let the day go by me. But in 2022, I wanted to kind of mark the day and do something for myself or something. I don't know. Anyway, I ended up showing up for a yoga retreat down in Galway. Oh, that's uh, right. Organized yeah, by Sinead from Two to Beating Ireland and her sister Gillian. And I had never done yoga in my life. Never, ever, ever done yoga. I'd never been to a retreat day. I'd never done anything like that. Don't know why I went. But anyway, best thing I ever did. Went down and literally as soon as the day started, I just started crying. Like, so this would have been two years later on the 20th of August 2022. So it would have been our 12 year birthday, let's say. Yeah. Um, and I just spent the day crying, but it it came, a lot came up, you know, a lot came up about the trauma I had gone through in losing my because it was so much more than losing a business. It was I had lost a whole network of women that I used to spend all my days with. You know, I saw those women that that worked there more than I saw my friends and family you know I spent more time with them than I spent with my husband like they were my life so I had lost that very supportive network of women who really had my back you know and loved me and I loved them so that was I hadn't kind of recognized the loss of that yeah and obviously I could phone to any one of them any day that's fine but it's not the same you know when when you're not working together in such a close it's not the same so I had lost that I had lost a lot of money as well but but forget about that I had lost I felt it came up that I felt that I had really let my customers down you know I had let because I I knew that there was a lot of people that traveled to Vanity Fair once or twice a year to get themselves sorted for whatever they had coming up and I knew that they felt incredibly safe walking through our doors. I knew that they had lost a place that they could go where they 100% knew they wouldn't be judged on anything and that they would find something fabulous to wear as well, you know, that they'd yeah. feel amazing when they were leaving. Like, they'd feel great. They'd spend an hour with us. We'd dicky them up. We'd have the crack. It would be great crack. And they'd go home happy out. And I felt huge guilt that... They didn't have that space any longer. And of course, there are other shops, you know, all over the country. There are boutiques doing doing a wonderful job. But I'm not saying that ours was the best, but to me it was, you know. It was something you created and nurtured. Yeah. And to a lot of my customers, I know it was too. And I was very upset about the fact that that was gone from them. And then I went through kind of feelings of like, did I try 
hard enough to save it. Could I have managed to get through it? But I couldn't have, you know, my, my financial obligations were just yeah. much too high and I'd be... There was no certainty I either. Up, back I, would, then. I would have ended up having nervous breakdown some stage in 2021 if I had stayed, you know. So I did at the time what was best for me. And, and I knew that at the time that this was the best decision for, for me and my suppliers and everybody else that I would have been racking up debt to. But I did go through last year. I did say, you know, did I did I let people down and did I give up on it too soon? And that just brought up a whole load of other emotions, I suppose, you know. Yeah, it's a lot to carry and it's a lot to process. Yeah. And I suppose from my perspective, I was watching you go through that. Obviously, there was a lot going on behind the, the, the scenes. Yeah. But then you were in the process of putting the try on together quite soon afterwards. And yeah. how did you manage that? How did you, you know, find the energy? Well, in Vanity Fair, I had so up until the day we closed our door, whatever day it was in March 2020, I had been adamant that I would never, ever, ever sell as much as a sock online. That online <laughs> retail was work of the devil and that it was going to kill bricks and mortar business and that like I wouldn't even consider the possibility that it could have been an added on benefit to the to a business or no I was having none of it I had been accepted for going for growth in the January 2020 and we had only had two of our monthly meetings sorry going for growth is a program for female entrepreneurs very good program but anyway I joined the year of the pandemic so I'm not sure I got the, the best from it we were all struggling to survive rather than go for growth but I yeah at those first two meetings you know my mentor my lead and stuff were saying you know would you not go online and I was like having none of it but when we had to close our doors then my customers really rallied like I, I'm really lucky. I mean, I s spoke about how lucky I was with, with my staff in Vanity Fair, but I am blessed with my customers. I mean, I couldn't ask for better customers, you know, which again, I suppose was part of the whole drama feeling that I let them down. But anyway, they were they were messing me saying, Nessa, get into the fitting room and try on clothes and let us buy the stuff and figure out a way. So I started up this whatsapp and messaging thing where i could try stuff on in the fitting room they'd message me i'd take their or i'd have to answer the mark i'd take the credit card details over the phone it was chaotic and then we weren't allowed to leave our house so i was doing it for my bedroom and i was down at the kitchen table i was bringing stuff it was just absolute madness and Dina said to me listen this can't continue you can't be because on the whatsapp thing somebody would say can I get the 16 in those black trousers and I'd mess them back and say yeah uh, send me your yeah, I'll ring you now for your credit card details let me know when I can ring you and then I wouldn't hear from them and then the next message would be looking for the same thing and I wouldn't know who, it was just you know chaotic so Dina said listen we need to get this up online pretty soon so we did well he did <laughs> and we were then selling through Vanity Fair online but it was we were very limited in the type of stock we could sell because nobody needed occasion wear and 90% yeah. of our stock was occasion wear so nobody wanted any of that but they did want you know jumpers hoodies leggings the OB belts is what I remember OB belts yeah I don't know where they're all going in their OB belts we were selling we were selling OB belts like they were going out of fashion it was it was madness so I had gotten up and running online but like I said 
with with the pandemic and the circumstances that brought that there was no occasions and people did not need a 200 euro dress to go to a wedding i was very limited in what i could sell but did this feel like it was giving you hope or yes, was this exactly. okay exactly so i did see that there was a way to still have a business but have it online so yeah, we started up the the try on then in October 2020 and have been going strong ever since. So that's my that's my story of hope with the try on. But again, what I wanted to do with the try on was create as much of the magic of Antivare as I possibly could within an online space. So I didn't just want it to be I didn't just want to have a website where there was pictures of models and dresses and a selection of sizes underneath and you bought whichever one whichever size yeah. you need I wanted it to be more interactive I wanted to see in as much as possible I wanted to see each garment I was selling on different bodies so I was posting stuff out to people around the country to try stuff on for me and send me videos and then I'd upload them on Friday nights and you'd get to see the joggers on you know somebody who was size 18 and somebody who was a size 8 and somebody who was a 14 and so I I created kind of I suppose a little I tried to to keep the to keep up as special about Fancy Fair going online basically yeah uh, but again with with a much different product with a much more casual product and, and how how do you feel now you know this time on with the try on established and even more being established and we will go into that but looking back on Vanity Fair now how do you feel about I know you mentioned it feels like it was a different person and yet at the same time it feels raw. Yeah, it's still very raw. Like it's still only a few weeks ago, somebody sent me in a picture of themselves in the and said, this is the last dress I bought in Vanity Fair. And like the tears just automatically came, you know, they're yeah. there, ready to come at any time, you know, or... I drove, when I go to Newbridge now, I drive around the back. I never took the back road around Newbridge. I always drove down the main street. And for some reason, a couple of months ago, I drove down the main street. I was talking to somebody on the phone on hands-free. And I do, I suppose the car just automatically drove down the main street rather than turn around the back. And next thing, it was there on my left as I was driving down. And it's now a dentist. And I literally felt like I'd been punched in the stomach and I had to pull into Dunn's car park down the road and and just cry for 10 minutes like it's I lost a lot of I lost a lot of myself I was going to say did I I did yeah I did lose a lot of myself when I lost that job but I also found other sides of myself that I didn't know were there you know I didn't know I was as resilient and creative I suppose and able to adapt you know I wouldn't have did you not did you have no no. clue because that I mean for me I suppose coming into it just when I did that's all I saw really no I so creative so adaptable (laughs) and so resilient and even that piece of like you I mean you showed up on Instagram and you would cry and say this I'm devastated this is upsetting or you know this message and it was so it was so refreshing now we were all heartbroken watching it I know, I know. You know? Um, I know. But it's it's quite interesting to hear you say, I didn't know I had that because I didn't just know I had that. I knew I had that. Days. 
I knew I had that ability to show up and be myself. I was always like, even even before the pandemic, I mean, life wasn't bed of roses in Vanity Fair. There was often struggles and there was huge financial pressure and stuff. And I'd often be on Snapchat uh, crying under the chair when, when the girls had all be gone home and I'd lock the door and I'd just sit down and have a good cry and I would show that on Snapchat. So I'd always right. been very honest and very myself with my with my customers on social media so that that wasn't new to anyone that might have been a bit shocking for you if you only joined at that point but <laughs> but people who had been there from the snapchat snapchat days were well used to me crying under the chair crying under the stairs on my little stool i had a little right, stool yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but i didn't really i suppose know that i could like i was very safe i suppose in vanity fair you know it it was I was just doing my thing and it was I didn't know that I would be as creative in a business way as I proved to be to myself you know so I learned a lot about myself as well it wasn't all bad things you know I mean it's it's terrible like the whole pandemic was was just awful for everybody and I you know people who feel that they didn't lose any thing or and again at the time as well and even still when I talk about it I'm very aware of the fact that I didn't lose a member of my family I only lost Mm -hmm, a business mm -hmm. you know and people went through the most horrific things like my friends went through horrific things losing family members and so you know you kind of say to yourself "This, this is only a shop like you know you have to you have to pick yourself up and get over this there is a way we can kind of you know put a put an understanding of it and we do tell ourselves you know it's only this it's not as Mm -hmm. bad as but Mm -hmm. from your experience or what you're you're describing there is waves of grief similar to that you know loss is loss yeah whether it's a financial loss whether it's a person whether it's a pet like yeah it was and it was the the emotions were very much like the the feelings when I lost my father uh, back in 2009 so I mean a long time ago now but those few years after that I was hugely uh, affected by that loss it was the first time in my life that anyone that I actually cared about had ever died and I didn't Mm -hmm. realize I didn't I really didn't realize how traumatic and shocking death was mm. really you know I'd never yeah. felt before I had the experience yeah I'd had a nana who died but like I was younger she was an old woman of course she was going to die you know but when my father died I felt I mean I was in shock I couldn't believe that the world kept on turning and that I was expected to get up and go to work and that mm. people were in the supermarket buying their dinners and I was like excuse me my father has just died does anyone like it was horrendous. The world is, yeah my world totally changed and Losing Vanity Fair was very, very similar to that. It was grief. It was loss. Yeah, it really was. Like yeah. it was, it was as heartbroken. And you know, when you'd wake up in the morning and those that millisecond that you forget, that millisecond that you're not aware of, and then it, and then it hits back. you. And yeah, it's like it, it was. It was very similar to to grief. Yeah. Okay. Do you think you now believe? given what you've done or what you've made of this that you do believe how creative you are and and resilient I do now yeah yeah (laughs) yeah I do yeah yeah when did you realize that or 
Well, the thing with business is, I suppose you, you have to be. I mean, I have to keep even the last, you know, two and a half years since the try and you have to keep reinventing yourself all the time. It's a constant struggle to keep your customers with you and entertained, you know, it's a bit like a soap opera. It's like, what are we going to do next? You know, yeah. Uh, so yeah I mean definitely and and again being online has brought out that that let's yeah. business creativity much more because again when you're in a shop every day you know you have customers walking through your door every day so yeah you you tend to get safe and you don't have to kind of reinvent the, the wheel you know every every few months but but with an online business I find anyway in my experience that you do you have to to keep doing new things so last year we introduced the idea of doing pop-up shops around the country which is are amazing and I absolutely love doing them because again I'm back with my customer now they're they're busy and they're hectic and they're go 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 it's not like it's not the same as what Vanity Fair was by any means where you know you're one-on-one with just one customer at a time and all that so it's different but it's it has brought me back to my customer and back to seeing her reaction to herself in the clothes rather than just posting it out to them and getting messages saying, oh, I got my dress, it's lovely, thanks. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, so you get to see That has created a lovely buzz back in my life and has brought me a lot of joy this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm loving, loving them. What about, you know, so your interactions have obviously reinforced the belief, the importance of body positivity and inclusivity. So can you share, like, what, what would you use, like, for clients to feel more comfortable? to feel more confidence in their own skin like is it is it a something is it just something you naturally have and always have done or is there you know ways that you create that and provide that for a client and and, you know I know Amy works with you in the pop-ups as well so she'd be and she was in Vanity Fair so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is that something that you strategize about or is it just no no not in the least we've never even had a conversation about like no no and I mean I don't really know what strategy do I use to help people feel more comfortable I don't I just I don't I just put them in nice clothes and show them how beautiful they are really you know it's it's really that simple I, and I love when somebody says oh god no I wouldn't try that and I said go on try it and they go oh god no I wouldn't oh no I'd never wear that and I said go on just entertain me humor me and then they come out and go oh my god look at me in this I would never thought I could wear that and like I just love the whole buzz of making women see themselves for what they are which is fabulous creations of fabulousness you know I don't have another word for it they're like and every woman deserves to feel amazing in what she puts on her every day like people who don't get a joy from clothing kind of are like an enigma to me like I don't I don't understand how (laughs) your passion word is just there yeah Yeah, I don't understand how you wouldn't love clothes and love shopping you know I go shopping with people as well and they're like oh god I don't know how you I don't know how you can look through those rails and find you know I don't don't know where you get the energy to be in and out of fitting rooms and stuff and I'm like oh my god this is like heaven for me I love it. Your grounding love seems to be. Those have such a such a such a power over how you how you feel, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, and they're the easiest things in the world to throw on and throw off you. So it's not like dyeing your hair a different color where you have to commit to a yeah. certain amount of time where you're going to look like this. Just ch- change. If something doesn't work, you're not in the mood for today. You're what? Well, I mean, they have such a 
a power over how we feel. I really yeah. do think There's, that clothes, unlike any other thing, are yeah. magic. I've heard you talk about this and I've talked to you about this as well. And we talked about the trauma around women's bodies and what mm-hmm. uh, what they hold. Mm-hmm. And I suppose there's a, there's a number of different angles. And, you know, you would have witnessed the shifts in per- perspectives around women's bodies. You know, it was the Marilyn Monroe and then it was the Kate Moss and then it was just emaciated and then back to the full bodied figure. Mm-hmm. And what what are the recent trends that are movements in positivity or negativity in this regard that you think are affecting women from wanting to go to the shop, wanting to be seen in a fitting room or try something on in case they're seen in a certain way? Honestly, I think that and I mean I don't I don't know anything. You are the the trauma specialist. I don't know anything about trauma, but I do know that every woman I've ever met can tell me something about something that somebody said to them 100, 100, 100 years ago you know or 10 years ago or when they were five or when they were 12 or there's something in every woman's head that somebody said something to them and they have held that belief forever and they've also held the feeling of how how it made them feel at that time they haven't been able to let that feeling go and that association so I mean it can be something as simple as oh my mother told me that I should never wear red because I've red hair so Mm -hmm. my mother told me that I that I can't wear red I'm like looking at her going are are you serious too much worse things you know that somebody in a you know whatever but somebody passed comment on somebody's size or something but the way women hold these little beliefs around with themselves and for the rest of their lives that they exclude every red top from yeah. their choice in a shop like is is absolute nonsense because anybody can wear whatever they want to wear as long as they wear it with confidence. You know, I really do They're believe happy with it in their body. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, one of the things I was I wanted to, you know, for me, as coming from the trauma side of things, you know, I, I would have looked at transgenerational trauma. So mm-hmm. this refers to the transmission of trauma through generations, such as abuse, neglect, violence from one generation to the next. The trauma occurs through various mechanisms, but it's parenting practice, it's cultural norms, it's societal structures. And in the context of inherited views on women's bodies, transgenerational trauma can influence how women perceive and value their bodies and I think that's what stops a lot of women from enjoying the process going into going into the bricks and mortar or even going online and showing you know interest in it yeah so I think I I do think you have encountered it and so what do you think is the counterbalance to that how do we undo that narrative how do we heal that part of the trauma I suppose it's it's visibility number one. I suppose you know, and social media is is always knocked for for lots of things and and should be knocked for for lots of things. But it also is depending on who you follow. It can also be a lovely space, you know, mm. where you see because you need to see. Plus, there's an expression. You need to see it to know you to can do it, it or something like that. To be yeah. it or something, you know. So there are lots of women with all sorts of different bodies and sizes and shapes online living their best life you know Mm. and wearing whatever they want and living perfectly happy fulfilled lives and I think it's really important for girls or whatever who might be a certain size to see that 
because if, for, for my generation, I'm 48, it was never seen for, for you know, everybody that you saw on television or in magazines or in ads were always the 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 perfect size eight, fabulous, tall, yeah. gorgeous figure, you know, and that's great. Those people exist. I've lots of customers who are fabulously gorgeous, five foot ten, size eight models as well. But mm-hmm. but it's not the majority, you know. It's only a certain amount of women because every woman is is different. So I think visibility. I think seeing as many women use in advertising, where it's not about being plus size, like. Dove, I think, are, are great for that. Mm. They do. And it's, it's it just your body and taking care of just, your body. Yeah, yeah. I think always have an ad as well where it's not about somebody being plus size. It's just a woman wearing sanitary towels and she just happens to be a plus size. You know, it's just so th- things like that need to become more normal where we just see bodies of all shapes and sizes just portrayed mm. to us normally in a natural way where it's not about being plus size, where it's just... Mm-hmm this is the model in this ad, you know, and she happens to be a size 20. Big deal. Let's like, why are we even talking about it? But at the moment it is new and it is something that businesses are doing in a new way. So it is something then that, that kind of promotes conversation about, but it will be great in another few years if it just wasn't even spoken about. Yeah. You know, just not, not you think we're going to get there. I think we are. I do think we are. Yeah, I do think we are. The other thing I think as well to heal, you had a very fancy word for it. What was it? Transgenerational trauma. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really important for women to know that uh, when they speak negatively about their own bodies, that number one, they're passing on that message to their children or to the younger people in their life. Mm. I don't have children myself, but I would be very aware of the way I would speak about myself in front of my nieces and things like that when they were smaller. And like, you really shouldn't say anything negative about your body, you know, at all, mm. because you are listening to your words as well. So it's, it's not good for you either. Yeah. But it's also not a good message. So if, if we could just stop it's also you know, an untrue message like the just the basic foundation is it's not true you have a body and that's the exactly, end of it exactly that is the end of it yeah. it's just a body i remember like, being a kid and like the the women the like my mom and her friends and you know people i so admired and the constant message was oh i can't eat that i can't wear that i can't do this because of i'm this or you know it was yeah. all down to how i looked on my sides yeah. or all of that yeah and me as a kid thought these women were the most brilliant yeah. fantastic well, and if they were true. thinking that what was wrong with my body i have to be exactly. you know? and it really does have an impact exactly yeah. exactly so we need to stop talking about our bodies full stop you know? yeah and yeah. just like because it's so hard, it's so ingrained in the in the conversation. Everywhere. Once you start, once you notice it, yeah, it is everywhere. It is everywhere, and it's it's something that I suppose is just learned. And like I, I even have to to sometimes I catch myself saying things. I come on Instagram and I say, "Oh God, the state of my and then it's necessary." Yeah. What's yeah. wrong with your hair? Like, stop apologizing for who you are. You know, this is where you are today. It's fine. Get over it. Because we we place too much value on our appearance, really. Yeah. Because it's it's the least, I say this often as well, it's the least interesting thing about us. Yeah. You know, it really is. Yeah. Like, and people who love you don't love you because of the way you look. 
Like that's the last thing. If you if you ask the people who love you what they love about you, yeah. no one is going to say, and I love the fact that you're a size 12. Like no yeah. one's going to say that, you know, or, or I love the fact that you're not a size 22. No one's going to yeah. say that. People who love you, love you for you. It's nothing to do with, with your body. Yeah. It's quite something, you know, it's really, it's really, I, I read the Choose of Eating book and that was yeah. recommended by, I can't remember her name, but I do follow her on Choose of Eating Ireland. Yeah. yeah. And I remember saying to my friends going, I feel like I, like I find this tough going because I realize I've been in an abusive relationship and it was because of the language. It was because of how I was treating myself and mm-hmm. how I, how it was around me. Um, and I know that's not an isolated incident. It's not just, mm-hmm. um, it's, mm-hmm. it's very normal to go, oh God, the state of me and I shouldn't be wearing this and I sh-, and, and punish myself if I've eaten the night before, well, then I have to eat nothing until a certain time or you know, like rubbish. It's but it was really, it was a really eye-opening. Going, oh my god, this is the truth of it, and uh-huh. um, it's something I, I don't know. It's something I still battle with. It's something I still don't have a handle on. Um, yeah, but it's really changing. That's, yeah, uh, and of course we don't have a handle on it yet. But it is, it is a, a journey. Like it's something mm-hmm. you have to. There's a lot to unlearn. Unlearn, yeah. It's it's a it's, so it's not just about learning new ways. You have to do you have to get rid of all the things you've learned before, and yeah. again generations of it. You know yeah. you have yeah. to unlearn all the things your nana said to you, yeah, when you were five. You know it's like it's massive. So it's yeah. not going to happen overnight. But but it is up to us, our generation, to make sure that it's easier. That there's yeah. less to unpack. That there's less to unlearn for the next generation coming up. You know, what do you think, what stereotypes or myths uh, are perpetuating the beliefs at the moment? Are perpetuating what, sorry? These beliefs. So like, you know, you talk about it in your course about the myths mm-hmm. uh, around. I, I actually have this. I remember being being told by a, a very good friend of mine, an Irish Colleen should never be seen in, in green or blue and green or something like that. And I remember not wearing that. You know, or um, you know, listen, the fashion industry is full of absolute like myths is too soft a word, like lies, you know. Yeah. Um, but, but again, they get in on women. They get in on women. Like, I don't know when the whole thing about women's arms became a thing, but I have no memory of my mother. Now, my mother is 86 now, right? I have no memory of her or her friends or my aunties talking about their arms I really don't they were all you know your childhood memories are always of fabulous summers and we were on beaches and and they were in summer dresses or in the garden or whatever and they weren't talking about their arms but somewhere some day somebody some stylist on television decided that women's arms needed to be covered up I don't know but all of a sudden women needed sleeves to cover their arms because Mm. their arms were, you know, so this dress was fabulous because it has sleeves for arm coverage. Mm. Like, listen, I'm always cold. I always have a sleeve pulled, pulled right down to my, you know, so sleeves are fabulous. I love sleeves because they keep you warm, but there's nothing wrong with it. So, I mean, there's a little, or knees, you know, I can't show my knees, but as long as there's somebody on, like if somebody is on, if you've never thought about your knees, right mm-hmm. you've never given your knees a moment's thought and then you hear somebody on television say 
this dress is a great length because it covers her knees. And then That's you bring a message then that, that you start saying covers her knees. All right, so should we be covering our knees? Hang on now, what's wrong with her knees? Give us a look at my knees. Oh Jesus, are they are they are they not normal knees? What do what yeah. do knees? like it's just and it builds then from there, you know? And all of a sudden we have women going around evaluating what they're going to wear depending on if it covers their arms or their knees, you know? Yeah. Because somebody has has determined that x person's knees shouldn't be seen like what yeah. is that about or ankles or i mean little, yeah. it can be, i have a sister who's the thing about the back of her elbows like what okay no so right. i mean women are filled with all these different things the messages it, are coming left right and center we didn't yeah. look at ourselves in the mirror and decide that the back of her somebody told her that or yeah. somebody mentioned somewhere that you know have your elbows cut it, it was it was an outside source you know, th- that gave her that message or that gave all these women these messages yeah. about things person that need to be covered or that weren't acceptable or didn't look the yeah. way they're supposed to in the eyes. In the eyes of who? Yeah. Who says? I suppose that's the, there's another huge unlearning piece going, what are the rules you're living by in yeah. the clothes that you yeah. wear as in to hide parts of your body? Nothing. Yeah. yeah. That are based on nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Okay. Okay, so I want to I want to talk about Find Your Stripes then. Okay. <laughs> so this is a new course that you've created. Now, you did this over the lockdown as well. Was it the I lockdown? Did. I'm, I'm terrible with timelines. I but did, yeah. So I started in January 2021 because I had started the try-on in October 20. And in the videos, when I'm... So I'm selling the clothes, basically, but... I'm doing videos of the top or the whatever it is, dress or whatever, on me and on somebody else. And I usually like the somebody else to be either a different size to me or a different height or in some way different. And I describe then the fit of how it fits me as a five foot seven, size 12, who's got broad shoulders. And as opposed to how it fits somebody who is a size 18 to 20 with narrow shoulders and wider hip or whatever it is. And or just to say somebody to, to, you know, with the try on, you have multiple models for the yeah. same clothes. So you get exactly. to see what it's like on, on your body. And, um, you know, Jess yeah. is another um, exactly. uh, model yeah. and, and she is a different type of body. And, and it might yeah. be two or three that you show yeah. it on so people yeah. can go oh well I'm more like that I'm more like that exactly that yes yeah. yeah so that yeah. was the whole concept of the try and so but I noticed that when I was doing those videos then <clears throat> up on Instagram and I would say things like oh, this hits you know this is I don't know Ruth is five foot one this is fits her fine here but it's a little bit long on the shoulder because she would have a short torso whatever I was using language that people were messaging me saying what do you mean short torso how do I know about the short torso what does that mean or you know how jumpsuits will fit or how the waistline of a dress will suit a particular body shape and it will just never suit a different body shape so if a dress is very very wasted in its structure and has no stretch in the fabric it's not going to suit an apple shaped figure it's mm. made for an hourglass figure or a rectangle can get away with it or a pear shape can get away with it but it's not suited for like clothes aren't magic they don't mm-hmm. suit everybody you know we're all different or rather Sorry, I rephrase that language. They do suit everyone. They don't always fit correctly on everyone, yeah. though. And that's really what it's about. It's about understanding the fit of, of different cuts and shapes according to your body shape. And I think so, really important there is your interpretation of it not fitting. 
exactly for 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 what I got out of this is like if something didn't fit me is going my body is wrong no 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 no, no, it's no No. that's what I what I used to like I don't anymore but like in 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 the course you talk about the different body shapes and Mm -hmm. the percentages of the different body shapes so like for example the hourglass is said to be the idealized body Uh however what's the actual percentage of hourglass figures when you look sorry eight eight percent Okay. 8% of women have an hourglass figure and yet that's the the figure that we're all supposed to have and that's the figure that the fashion industry makes for in the yeah. in the vast majority of cases that's who it's making clothes for that idealized figure and it's only 8% of women that can actually fit those clothes correctly without needing some alteration or going up a size or down a size or whatever. The other thing I go through in the course is sizing because sizing is an absolute minefield and I think you know, once you understand sizing the way I explain it in the course, you will never again feel frustrated when something doesn't fit you mm-hmm. because it's got nothing to do with you. There's so many different factors at play when a, when a company is sizing their garment. You are the la- you as the customer are the last thing on their mind, literally, you know, yeah. there's so many different things that, that come into sizing. So. Um, the course is fabulous. I started it in, in very small scale in 2021. And then I just got busy and stuff and I left it off. But I've launched it now in March, just last month. I launched it again. It's very, very, a lot of hard work <laughs> went into it. But it's, it's, I think it's a great course, to be honest. And I think, yeah. I honestly think, and I mean, I don't keep coming on Instagram and saying this, but I honestly think that every woman should should listen to it because it's so, it just... It's it's taken from my years of experience of of seeing different bodies, knowing what works on different people, knowing mm. what might need alteration in order to make it work, and it it just goes through everything. I mean, if you if you watch it and you don't feel, oh yeah, try and grant afterwards, you know, yeah. then I don't, I don't know what what else to say. But it's 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 informative about, like I said, about your it breaks down the the body shapes. You speak the truth. You yeah. speak the truth. You educate on what a body is, what a body not isn't, but like, you know, as you're saying, if the idealized version of what you keep looking, wanting to look like is that hourglass figure and you're not an hourglass, mm-hmm. you're going to, inverted commas here, fail every time you put a dress on or get yeah. stand in front of a mirror because I'm not that and I should diet and I should... change the shape of my body and as you say in the course you cannot change the shape of your body but you can you can can accept this is everybody has different body shapes everybody has different body sizes and I can dress my body in the way that I feel it works for me exactly exactly because you, you can't change your body shape you know, like I, I say on the course, no, like if you're a strawberry shaped body, it doesn't matter how many squats you do in the gym or how many whatever you do or how much you eat or how little you eat or whatever you do. You're never going to have hips. You're never going to have roundy curved hips and full thighs and a full bottom. It's never going to happen for you. You know, same way if you're a pear, you're the reverse. You're never going to have, you know, strong, broad shoulders where clothes just hang beautifully up. It's never going to happen. They're always going to catch you on the hip and stuff. And they're never going to fill you. They're always going to generally be too big on top. So it's about finding shapes that suit you, finding fabrics that suit you and and learning how to accept what, what you are. Because again, 
that pear shape is never going to have the strawberry's hips and the mm-hmm. strawberry is never going to have the pear's hips. It's just, you know, it's just never going to happen, like no matter what they do. So it's about accepting. And again, like sometimes I get a bit of, not criticism, but a bit of debate in my messages about, you know, you know, that I'm anti, I don't know, the messaging that I should be, how will I put this? Uh, sometimes I have little debates in my messages with people who think that I'm not promoting, let's say, a healthy lifestyle. I don't know, right? That mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. that people should well, be starting to that, themselves, yeah. right? A healthy lifestyle usually, is a size six or a size exactly. eight. And it's yeah. usually under the umbrella of yes, but now people's health inverted commas. And you know, don't don't get me started on that one. But <laughs> What I will say is my course is about learning to accept who you are now. So I am not here to judge anyone who is on a weight loss chart. I wish to God they didn't feel the need to be, but I'm not here to judge them no matter what they decide they want their body to look like in three months time, in next month or in a year's time. That is their own business. I'm not qualified to comment on that. I don't know enough. I'm not Mm. a doctor. I'm not a psychologist I'm nothing I'm literally just here to help you find clothes that you love and feel amazing in Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's all I want you that's all I want you because I am about making people feel comfortable now so I don't care what what your body's going to look like next month or in three months time after you've done x y and z to it that's your own business I want you to realize that the body you have now before you start that journey is equally as worthy of feeling valued, loved, cared for, admired, appreciated, as it will be when you're finished whatever journey you're on. You know, mm-hmm. it's the body you have now is the body that you, you have to work with. So that body deserves to have beautiful clothes or clothes that you feel comfortable in or, you know, so like so many times people say, oh God, no, I can't, I, I won't buy on the now because... Um, you know, I, I'm on a weight loss journey and I, I, I'm not buying any new clothes. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you've nothing in your wardrobe that fits you properly. So why would you, yeah. just because you're on a journey, why would you not, you know. Like, and that's you, going to feed into, I don't feel good in my body, nothing fits me. And therefore kind of perpetuating, you know, this already ongoing belief that I'm not okay in this body as yes. it stands. Yeah. And you are okay in this body. You yeah. are like, you're fine. And whatever Jesus, I wish I had you when I was like in school or something like that, or yeah. like that, that, that course. I know a lot of so people, early. A lot of people have messaged me to say after watching the course, I've said, oh my God, I wish I'd known this in school. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, for years, and I think I still am because of, uh, that unlearning, as you say, is the process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I don't work with eating disorders. I don't work because I, one, I'm not qualified, but also as well, like, growing up in this world where mm-hmm. you know Kate Moss was saying and uh, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels yes. I was like yeah like that's yeah. she knows what she's talking about so I yeah. have a disordered view on it mm-hmm. because that's all I was surrounded with yeah. you know and yeah. the the process of undoing it now is is really you know a, a piece by piece process and mm-hmm. learning actually this is my body shape mm-hmm. that's it that's it. I find that so empowering. Yeah. Like, I actually don't need to battle anymore because I'm not going to get to that ide- idealized version of 
when I'm scrolling through Instagram and I'm looking going oh that's what I want to look like I go well you freaking can't can't. I don't mean to be dismissive about it I'm not putting myself down I mean it as in actually that is an impossibility it goes against you know everything we know about physics even yeah Um, and I find that so empowering it is very empowering yeah it is and it's a great feeling to you know because like most women are literally at war with their bodies yeah and oh my god like how can you live in happily in in us like actually physically in the space in the body that you're at war with that's one of the things actually that was coming up for me again and again as I was following you and and hearing you you know as you were genuinely shocked about people not wanting to go into fitting rooms or going into shops and being seen and whatever and also as well this this you know women do all, all bodies carry the trauma of life mm-hmm. and, and in different mm-hmm. ways but women going into dressing rooms where they have really have either suffered abuse or mm-hmm. you know where they've had to leave their bodies yeah where it wasn't safe to be there and going back to it felt you know without support without you know having that compassion yeah. felt too unsafe when yeah. you go into a fitting room and you put on clothes, your your attention is front and centre on your body. And that can be so hard. And I don't think we understand that. It yeah. can be a really difficult, triggering time to go into a fitting room yeah. and to have as, as lovely as you are, and as lovely as the women would have been, to yeah. have them go, oh, well, look, you know, it looks great at your waist there. It could be so triggering. And we don't know it because we don't have the language around it. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, the amount of tears. I used to get my sister. My sister does does Reiki. And I used to get Alva to come down to Vanity Fair every few months and cleanse the place. Because the amount of tears in our fitting rooms in Vanity Fair, like it was daily, you know. Wow. Because, yeah, oh, honestly, it was daily. Yeah. And then the, that that energy is left behind, and I'd get her to come and come and yeah. clear it and make it a safe space again. But yeah, like it's women have Jesus, oh my God! Like the, the the it's been a constant war for generations, and and like I totally do believe that things that you feel things in your in your DNA. You know, mm-hmm. so that it mightn't even have had to happen to you, that but that it's that there's a just a trauma from from being born a woman that you're yeah. not going to be able to escape. You know, yeah. when it comes to our bodies and how our bodies and the are science seen. that backs that, mm. there is science yeah. that backs that that we do inherit trauma of previous generations that nothing yeah. needs to happen in our in our lives, yeah. and yeah. we have a a, a holding a, a pain. A trauma mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is not even ours and um, mm. to it's hard work but it's worth it but you can release it but even just knowing that again yes knowledge is power and that's part of Absolutely. what you do is you empower Absolutely. with the knowledge you have so uh, okay I'm going to ask this question because I ask it to everybody and I think I already know the answer but do you think it's possible to heal these inherited wounds do you think these wounds that have been passed down that we can embrace our bodies and lead a more healthy healing life of course we can of (laughs) course we can but it is you know is it easy no is it a journey yes is it something that you'll reach the end of that journey no it's a constant you know you constantly have to catch yourself in your thoughts 
watch watch different things that come up you know in in other people's conversations remove yourself from those situations and uh, it's it is constant but but is it possible absolutely yes okay how do you take care of yourself how do you how do you stay motivated what are your self care practices <laughs> i knew you were going to ask me something like this <laughs> i honestly i honestly don't don't really do a lot to take care of myself because i get such pleasure from my work like i really do you know yeah. so like, my idea of a of a day off is now i do have the odd day off sometimes like a walk on a beach is always lovely but i i get huge pleasure from from oh i've lots of different jobs let's say you know mm-hmm. i've lots of different businesses or areas for my work let's say and all of them just provide me with such <laughs> satisfaction that i'm supposed a bit of a workaholic so i don't really do a lot to mind myself i get i get a lot of peace and and motivation and satisfaction from my customers and from my work mm-hmm. it's fulfilling so, yeah it is very fulfilling yeah okay i won't i won't push you on that so <laughs> i will i will come back to you again and try to convince you to do a meditation okay <laughs> <laughs> okay so okay for those wondering where they can find you where's the best place and is there anything exciting coming up that you do want to share any projects or anything like that that people can watch out for um nothing that i want to share yet but i have gone back to study fashion design for the last two years and there might be something coming there in the next (laughs) year maybe give me a year (laughs) give me a year give me a year Um, where do they follow you to find out in a year's time uh, my Instagram page, Nessa Cronin, and on my website, Nessa Cronin, there you will find my course as well, which I do believe will be beneficial to anybody listening to take. Or I'm also the Tryon on Instagram or the Tryon shop is my website for my clothes. Okay, I'll add them all in so people can find them. And Nessa, thanks very much. I think people, I think women especially, will get a lot out of today. And hopefully, I hope, this is the hope of these conversations is that they will start to see it. They'll start to challenge it. They'll start to um, yeah. hear those comments and go, yeah. oh no, fuck off. Once, once you become aware of it, it it's scary how, 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 how it is everywhere. It's everywhere. Like even if you sit in a, in a restaurant and listen to other people's conversations, it's all so body focused and diet focused and looking certain ways not being able to do that like it's it's absolutely everywhere mm-hmm. and it's it's time to join in the in the fight to change that because it has to get changed we can't continue to pass this down you know no no hopefully hopefully okay thank you nessa and thank um, you so much Coda. yeah i'm sure i'll be talking to you again great okay All right, mind yourself. Thanks.